is powerful in our lives. So it's about to be sown into our lives with um, uh, skillful wisdom in Jesus' name. <laughs> so we're going to go to another level. The condition of our heart determines what we're going to, what's going to happen with the word. If you're, if, you, if you're full of the cares of life and the deceitfulness of riches, if you're cluttered up, if your heart's cluttered up, you can't receive the word of God. If, you, if you're too worried about things, you, that's not good soil. You've got to be, you know, sow the word into faith. So right now you've got to just decide, I'm going to believe his word. I'm going to declare that his word has the final authority in my life in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you for the word going forth this morning. I declare that every heart is open to receive, every mind is alert and awake and, and ready. Father, we just thank you in Jesus' name that we're going to bear a hundredfold return on this word. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll say this. Say, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because He has anointed me to hear and apply His Word. I'm about to know better so that I may do better, have better, and be better. I am becoming everything God has destined me to be. I'm becoming everything the devil fears I'll be. I'm becoming everything the haters say. I could never be. So after today, I will never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, slap your people, high five, and say, you've got to be living in purpose. Amen. All right. Well, you have a, you have a clipboard there so you can put your note sheet on and take, take notes this morning. Be sure and fill in the blanks. Amen. Fill in the blanks and take notes in the margins so that you can remember what you learned today. I know that when I just write something down, I remember it. I've taught myself scripture and learned how to memorize scripture by writing it out longhand. It's a way that I remember things. That might be the way that you learned. It might just be by, ear, by hearing. But today you're about to be taught the word of God. Amen. All right. So we're in this series for the entire year this year. We're focusing on God's manifested glory. That God has... has prophesied or had given us a word declaring that this would be the year where his glory would manifest. How many of you know sometimes God just chooses to manifest where he will? Amen. And do what he's going to do. I believe that signs and wonders and miracles and exploits are all going to be happening this year as a result of what God has said. That this is the year of manifested glory. Not only that. But we are focusing ourselves this year on manifesting God's glory um, by glorifying him with our lives. By going from one degree of glory to another. He says, as we continue to behold in the word of God, the glory of the Lord, that we're changed and transformed. And we go from one degree of glory to another. How many of you ready to come up a few steps this year? I'm ready to leave the childish things, the kindergarten things behind. And I'm ready to move on to another level. Some of you have been on this level long enough. So you have to decide, I've gone around this mountain for the last time. You have to make a decision and be really strong about your decision. Make a quality faith decision that says, I am, I, that is it. There's, I'm going to have some from, from now on and some never again. Amen. I'm never again coming to this place again. I'm never going to, going to um, go back on my word again. I'm never going to go back to childish, immature things again. This year I'm going to learn how to rule over my emotions. Amen. Because I know there's too many people whose emotions are ruling them. I know I get calls all the time. And if I could just be so blunt with people, um, but you can't these days. People get their feelings hurt so easy. Is that if you would just get out of your emotions. Stop letting your emotions run you. And decide I'm going to be spirit ruled. Allow the spirit of God and the word of God to draw me up 
him. Amen. I remember I used to get, oh my gosh, I used to cry about everything. And I used to think that was a, a positive thing. Why people around me used to cry about everything? It was just the way that it was. You know, it's the way, the way of the world, right? I cried about everything. And one day my pastor says, you know, you don't have to just cry about everything. I'm like, I don't? Yeah, that was Brother Don. He said, you don't have to just cry. He could, he could hurt your feelings sometimes. <laughs> he would just be really, really um, tough and blunt and to the point. And that was what I needed evidently because I didn't realize I didn't have to cry about everything. And so from that day forward, I said, okay, I won't. Bible says, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So you tell your heart what to do. Don't let your heart tell you what you're doing. You have to be, decide you're going to be a, a thermostat and not a thermometer, right? Praise the Lord, God. <laughs> Is that a big old amen from heaven or Jesus did that? Praise the Lord. Amen. So we're going from one degree of glory this year to another. That means you have to decide, I'm going to leave this last level behind. What did Paul say? This one thing I do. Forgetting those things that are behind, and I press on towards the goal of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. He's calling us all upward this year. As I was uh, ministering in Virginia a couple weeks ago, the Spirit of God spoke to me during the worship service and, and said that uh, we need to have services during the week, not all the time, but whenever the Spirit speaks, to have a, a service called a deeper. Deeper. How many of you just would like to go deeper? I just like to go deeper with God. I like to have a deeper experience with Him. I like to just, you know, and, and He doesn't just come because we snap, amen, but He leads us. He leads us into times of deeper worship. And I believe as we go into deeper worship and um, that, that we'll see deeper manifestations of His glory, amen? How many of y'all want to do that? Amen. amen. All right, so let's look at purpose. As we're manifesting God's glory in our lives this year, we're talking about living in purpose and fulfilling our purpose. And as much as we fulfill our purpose, God is glorified. Amen. The more you yield to Him, the more He'll be glorified in our lives. Amen. So we want to we um, glorify Him in every area of our life. And so, number one, I want to talk about purpose choices. Because our life is the sum total of the choices that we make. Some for good and some for bad. But aren't you glad that God is the God who loves us so much that even when we mess up, even when we make a mistake, He doesn't change His mind about His plan for our life. Who do I think about uh, Abraham and Sarah? Even though they made an Ishmael, God still gave them Isaac. He didn't change His mind about Isaac because they decided to mess up and make an Ishmael. God even helped them deal with the situation. They had to, they had to deal with it. And, and really the people of, of, of Israel are still dealing with the Ishmael. Amen. But God didn't give up on his dream or his purpose for Abraham and Sarah because they messed up. And God's not going to give up on you because you messed up, or because you made a wrong choice or took a U-turn or, or got off the freeway. Just get back on and stay there. Amen. Get back in your lane and stay there. Hallelujah. All right. So one. A purpose-driven life is fueled by my choices. If I'm going to live in purpose, I'm going to have to decide to make disciplined choices in God. Make decisions that will take me where God wants me to go. Because every moment is an opportunity to make another decision. Amen? Amen. So, I mean, you've you got to think about which way you're going to go home, what you're going to eat. You know, are you going to exercise? To exercise or to not exercise? That is the question. <laughs> Most of the time it's not. But we should be making decisions about that that help our health. Amen? So we, our choices help us walk into purpose. Our, our choices 
can keep us far away from, from God's purpose for our life. It comes down to us. He gives us a choice. He gives us the choice to choose his life and to choose his purpose or to not. Deuteronomy 30, 19, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I've set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. You know, we have to stop choosing those things that take us away from God. We have to on purpose choose to choose the things of God. And, to, and it, takes, it takes a while to get used to that. It's discipline. It's called being a disciple. It's enforced obedience. Amen. You have to chip to make yourself, <laughs> make yourself do the will of God. Amen. It's the person who does the will of God that's built his house on the rock. Not that you know it, but, but the fruit of your actions. What is, what is your, what are your actions say? Are you doing God's word? The wise man builds his house on the rock. Amen. And when the storms come and the, and the winds blow, it can't fall because it's founded on the rock. But if you build it on sand, you're on, oh, well, I think it means this, or I think it means that. And you just get off from the truth of God's word, the foundation of it, you're going to be building on sinking sand. The Bible says that, that your house will fall and great will be its fall. All right. Ephesians 5.17, it says, don't live carelessly or unthinkingly. Make sure you understand what the master wants. And once you understand what he wants, it's that we choose to get in line with what it is that he wants from our life. You know, Joshua lived a life that glorified God. You know, he chose to believe when they, the, the 12 spies went in, he chose to believe God was able. He made a choice to believe. Yeah, there's giants. Yeah, there's walls. It's well fortified. But I believe we're well able to overcome it. So Joshua went in with an attitude that glorified God. So, number two, God is glorified when we make good choices. When we make choices to believe, Joshua, you know, was only two of twelve that, that decided to believe that he could go back in and get, get the spoils, go in and take the land that God had promised them. Joshua and Caleb were the only two that chose to glorify God with their decisions. So... He, he led the people to spy out the land. Then, then when they came back, then when they went back in, Joshua was the one who led them in the fight to take the land. And so he made good choices. It started with this one choice that he made. Joshua 24, 15. It says, And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your father, that your father served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua stood up and made a decision for his whole family and said, y'all do what y'all want to do, but if it's just me and mine that go into the promised land, we're going. Amen. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Joshua was up close and personal. He saw the benefits of serving God. And nothing looked better to him. Nothing that his fathers had done. Nothing that his fathers, fathers and them had done. Nothing that I saw on the other side of the room. That sure looks like fun. None of that. No, there's benefits for serving God. And nothing looks better. So we decided, as for me and my house. And that word house also means family. As for me and my family. If you're a parent and you've got children, you've got the right to say, we're going to church on Sunday. And we're going to live right up in this house. We're not listening to just any kind of mess on our TV. We're not going to be doing just anything on our iPhones. Amen. I will be checking. Come on, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As long as they live under your roof, you got a right to say, oh, yes, you are going to church. Amen. Hog time. Drag them here. Do what you got to do. Amen. So number three, our daily choices to focus on Jesus cause God.
God to be glorified. So it causes God to be glorified. We, we make daily choices. We have daily choices. And when you get into a daily choice, it becomes a daily routine, which becomes a daily habit. So then you don't even have to think about it anymore. Amen. Daily choices become a daily routine. And that daily routine becomes a daily habit. Like, if you get into the habit of making up your bed. How many, how many even made up your bed before you came to church today? Praise the Lord. <laughs> but making up your bed becomes a habit that like if you if you start making up your bed I just dare you if you don't usually make up your bed make it up for 21 days even if it's just to pull up and throw the pillow you know just make it look neat and orderly if you do that for 21 days after that you will not be able to stand your bed to not be made up Amen. y'all like Pastor I talk to somebody else because I'm good <laughs> no but seriously you start a habit you start a a, a Something that becomes a habit in your life. And, and a habit becomes, you know, that's, you become, you, you know, you're disciplined in that area. So these are things that we focus on daily. These are our spiritual focus. So whenever we look for a person in scripture that, um, a person who had daily choices and choices that she made that glorified God, Mary of Bethany leaps out to me. Because every time you see Mary of Bethany in scripture, she's at Jesus' feet. She's at the feet of Jesus. And you know, we can talk about faith so much. We can talk about church so much. We can talk about God so much. But we can't leave Jesus out. Jesus is a person. He's the one we have a relationship with. You know, we've got to make sure we say the name of Jesus. We know the name of Jesus. That we know who he is. That we're in relationship with Jesus. So when we look at this example of Mary of Bethany, is every situation she was facing in life, there she was at the feet of Jesus. So A, the first place we find her is in his word at his feet, at, at his feet, in his word. This is a daily choice to focus on Jesus in his word. I think you know Jesus is the word. When you read the word, you're reading Jesus. It's like that relationship with Jesus. It becomes more real to you because the words that are written about Jesus are not just words. Amen. It's the, it, he is the word. He's a person. And, and as you read it, it begins to read you back. But... In his word, in Luke 10, 39, it says, Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and did what? Heard his word. So don't let anyone or anything diminish how critical and how important it is that you get your daily um, dose of the word for your spiritual health. You know, it, it is, don't let anybody diminish how important it is to your spiritual health. It is, it is vitally important that man shall not live by bread alone. But by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, I'll get tired in my physical body. But my physical body can get strong when my spirit gets strong. Amen. I tell my body what to do when my spirit gets strong. And the only way your spirit gets strong is on a healthy diet of the word. You have to be here in the word. And so um, Proverbs 4, 20 through 22, it says, My son, give attention to my word. Incline your ear to my do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. Look at this. For they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Wow. So the word is life to me. It's life to me. And not only that, but it's health to my flesh. The word has the power to heal my flesh. He sent his word and healed them. So the word goes forth and it does not return void. God says it will accomplish the thing for wherein I sent it. So you've got to be more full of 
of the word than you are of the world. And now we have more world coming at us from every direction, you know, on Facebook, on social media, on the news, on all the ways that the world gets into us these days. You so you could just shut stuff off. But these days, we're so connected. We cannot let more world get in us than we have more word in us. Because the word is what's going to empower me. Amen. So we are busy people. And it's easy to be like her sister Martha who was distracted, Jesus said, with much serving. Look at it in Luke 10, 40. But Martha was what? Distracted, distracted with much serving. If you're going to glorify God, we have to identify the distractions. Yes. What is distracting us from being fruitful and, and doing the will of God and growing to another level? Martha was distracted with much serving. You know, we spend a lot of time serving. Every single day we serve money. I don't serve money. Do you go to a job every day? What do you go for? A handshake, thank you very much. No, what do you go for? That paycheck. Thank you. So I'm serving money every day. I'm serving it. And it's something that we have to do. Because why? It's the system in our world. So we're serving the system of money when we go to work every day. We're solving problems for somebody. And he who solves problems gets paid. Amen. So you, you go and you're serving that every day. We serve um, our boss. We serve our families. Don't we serve our families? Are we there for them if they need us? They get in the pinch, they need something, we're there for them. Our children. How much time do we spend just serving our children? How about your house? Do we serve our house? Yes, we do. It has to be cleaned. <clears throat> Clothes have to be washed. Stuff has to be done. We have to serve. We constantly are serving and doing things. Church, <clears throat> we should we should be serving in church, amen? This year I'm really um, calling you up to another level of servanthood and being a servant leader like Jesus was. Jesus said he didn't come to serve but to be served and to give his life a ransom for many. So we're here not to be served but to serve, amen? So um, we serve in church and then of course we have to serve ourselves. I mean, you know, it takes a lot of maintenance to be me and you, right? We have to have some maintenance. We've got to have some me time. I just shut it all down yesterday. I just need a day. We've had painters in the house. We had to clean out Murray's closet. And now we've taken everything out of my closet. And you've got painters in the house every day. It's like you can't really relax, you know, if they're going to need something. You know, I don't want to be laying around drooling while painters are here. And, you know, they're in it all around. And just finally, I said, you know what? Shut it down. We are not painting this weekend because <laughs> I needed to minister to myself. I knew I was getting to that point. Y'all, we have to pay attention. I'm getting ahead of myself in my sermon. What's actually the very next The very next one is be resting in his presence. Is that we have to make time to rest. You know, when I feel myself getting irritated because I can't get a text to come out right and I just want to throw my phone, I know I'm tired. Y'all know what I'm talking about? When you yeah. spell check spells everything yeah. except what you're trying to say more than once. I don't know, what's wrong with my spell check today? But it was it was on my last nerve. And I thought, you know, when I get like that, I know I'm tired. So I'm not going to glorify God when I'm tired. I'm going to glorify God because I'm going to lay before the Lord and take some rest in. Watch something stupid on TV. Something that may, has nothing to do with ministry. Something that has nothing to do with helping somebody. Nothing. There's something that's just, just silly. That's how I relax. You're, you might go play golf. Murray plays golf. You might, you know, um, paint or, um, you know, have to go fishing or whatever it is that you do. Holler out something that you do for your me time to help you relax. Watch TV. Bake. Have tea. Have tea. 
Okay, tea. That, you know, them British are all about that at 3 o'clock. They all get their tea on. Amen. What else? Well, some other stuff you can do to relax. You just rest in His presence. The presence of God is always there. You don't have to do a darn thing. Just sit there. And that's good. Amen. But you have to have time to rest because so much is pulling on us. Sometimes we just have to have time to get quiet in the presence of God. Be still. I know that I'm God. John 6.63, let me finish up on my last point. The words that I speak to you are what? Spirit and they are life. Message translation. Every word I've spoken to you is a spirit word. And so it is life making. Whoo, that's good. Matthew 4.4, 4, man shall not live by bread alone, but what? Every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So B is resting in his presence. Matthew 11.28-30. Come to me. All you who labor and are heavy laden. Can't it feel heavy at times, y'all? That we're carrying the world on our shoulders? It feels like you're carrying... See, listen to him say, yes, we just pray for his shoulder pain. Sometimes you get so stressed out, you can't even relax your shoulders because of stress that you're carrying. The Bible says, cast your cares on him, for he cares for you. Amen? Cast all of it, all of your anxieties, all your issues, all the stuff you're carrying... Cast it on him, for he cares for you. And that's easier said than done, because usually after five minutes, we'll go get it back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. But Jesus said, Matthew 11, 28, come to me. Come to me, Jesus. This is Jesus time. Amen. This is some Jesus stuff. I need to meet some more Jesus in my life. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Sometimes you've got to come apart so you don't fall apart. Amen. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. Your soul areas, your mind, your will, your intellect, your imagination, your emotions. You've got to just let it all rest. He says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Isn't he the one who's going to lead you to the green pastures? Isn't he the one who's going to lead you beside the still water? Isn't he the one who anoints your head with fresh oil every day? Isn't he the one who fills your cup to overflowing? Isn't he the one who's preparing a table before you in the presence of your... You ain't even got to worry. Where is Jesus? He's preparing a table for me up ahead. Amen. In the very presence of my enemies. Glory to God. So don't think that because you're resting, things aren't happening. Sometimes you need to sit back and say, Jesus, I'm going to let you carry this for a while. You just lead me. Just tell me where to go. Hallelujah. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Acts 3.19 says, Times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. So rather than rest, Martha caught an attitude. Mary's sister caught an attitude and she demanded Jesus. Tell her to help me. You see, I'm doing all this work by myself and she's just sitting there doing nothing. Tell her to come help me. She went off on Jesus, y'all. She went off on Jesus. And that's what we'll do. When we have not had rest and we're overburdened with too much serving, we will go off on people you never thought you'd go off on. Amen. Amen. Luke 10, 41-42. This was Jesus. Jesus' response to her was, Martha, Martha. He said her name twice. You know you're in trouble when he says your name twice. Martha, Martha. You are worried and troubled about many things. But one thing is needed. And look at this. And Mary has chosen that good part. What are we talking about? Are we talking about choices? We're talking about choices. And Mary chose the good part. And listen to what Jesus said. It will not be taken away from her. She's decided to come and sit at my feet. And that's right where she's going to sit. 
Amen. I'm sure at some point Mary got up and helped. It would be just wrong if she didn't, right? But she had to get her a good dose of Jesus first. Amen. All right, all right. And I think many of us, we do a lot better serving, a lot better at the things that we do at life and keeping it all juggling and going together if we spend that time with Jesus. Because you know when you spend time with Him and you come out, you know nothing can bother you. Because you're, you're seated so high with Him that the low stuff, and you don't even entertain it. Because I'm so far up here with Him, I'm seated with Him in the heavenly places far above principalities and powers. I'm through with low living. I'm living up here with Jesus. I'm spending time with Him. So when I come down, I'm not coming down for this mess. All right, now. Amen. Amen. You come down and you're, you're refreshed. You're refreshed. She, she, but she chose it. You see that she chose it? Every day you have opportunity to say, I'm too busy. Too much serving going on. Amen. You have to serve yourself by getting you some Jesus. Amen. She sat at his feet and heard his word. And Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. See, in crisis, so choices that she made in crisis, she was at his feet in the middle of a crisis. Lazarus had died. Lazarus was so sick that they sent word. He was, he, Lazarus was very sick. Now, you know when a loved one is sick, it's, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot on everyone. You're worried about them. You're there for them. You're helping to serve them. Lazarus was sick. She had gone through a terrible time with her brother being very ill and very afraid, you know, that he was not going to make it. Well, what happened? Sure enough, he didn't make it. And Jesus wasn't there. Not only that, he, he died. They already had the funeral. Jesus didn't even make the funeral. And he's the one that loved them. Jesus wasn't even there for the funeral. So she's had a rough time. She doesn't understand this. She doesn't get this. You know how you feel after you've lost someone, after you've gone through some crisis, something terrible? You're broken, you're hurt, you can't eat. You know, physically you feel bad. So Mary's really in a, in a, in a tough place. She's in crisis. Somebody say crisis. Crisis. Jesus finally shows up. Jesus finally shows up. What do you do when you think God has taken too long? How can you let this happen to me? These are some of the questions that we can ask. Why? How could he let this? How could he let this happen to me? After all, I'm a child of God. Mary and Martha were the ones he loved. How could he let this happen to me? I don't understand. Other times when you go through something, you don't understand. How, how could this happen? Well, look at John eleven thirty two. Mary heard that Jesus had come back to town. It says, "Then when Mary came where Jesus was, you know, in the garden, when." Adam was out of the will of God. He hid from God. And sometimes when we fall out with God because we're upset about something, you know, we'll hide from Him. But look, Mary did not hide from God. But she went. It says she came where Jesus was. She went to Him. I've got to have me some Jesus in a crisis. It says and she saw Him and she fell down at His feet. Once again, she was at His feet in the Word and now here she is in crisis. At the feet of Jesus. That's where we need to be. When we get in crisis and things that, that we don't understand, you know, we need to begin to rehearse the Word of God. We need to begin to think on those things that, that we know to be true. Amen? Focus more on the truth than we do on the facts that are going on. But she fell down at His feet. How many times in crisis do we focus more on fear than we do on Jesus? Because as soon as a crisis hits, fear is the first emotion that we experience. 
where that's the time when you're in a crisis situation where you're more tempted to fear and doubt. And that's the time when you've got to believe and, and be strong than at any other time. So don't allow your emotions to lead you away from the answer. Jesus is the answer and his word is going to stand. It has to get to where it's your habit. But the first time when something goes down, the first thing you do is you begin to speak God's word. I know I'm, I'm talking because I've been through too many things where I began to speak his word and God brought me through. Amen. Hebrews 4, 15 through 16, it says that this high priest of ours, Jesus, understands our weaknesses. For he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So then, let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. Let's go boldly to Jesus' feet. There we will receive his mercy and we'll find grace to help us when we need it most. Hallelujah. So we go running for Jesus. Amen. All right. And then remember this, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, that God keeps his promise. And he'll not allow you to be tested beyond your power to remain firm. At the time you're put to the test, he will give you the strength to endure it. And so provide you a way out. See, Jesus was long in coming, but he wasn't too late. He wasn't too late. He had a plan that was bigger than, than she could think, dream, or imagine. Amen? And he was able to do it. And he told Martha, didn't I tell you if you believe, you'll see the glory of God. And they did, and they did receive their brother raised to life. Then D, choices in worship. We choose to glorify God in worship. So here in worship, we see Mary again at his feet. He's a, she's again at his feet, and that's in John 12, 3. It says that Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard and anointed the feet of Jesus. So here she is again after Lazarus has been raised from the dead. Here she is again, only this time is in such a beautiful act of worship that she's pouring oil on his feet and washing his feet with her tears and drying it with her hair. Here she is at his feet in worship. This is, of course, after her brother's been raised. You know, and, and that's the time that... that I guess it's easy to worship God, but it's also easy to get full of yourself after something great's happened. And not worship. So we have to look at it both ways. But worship can shift your mindset and your perspective on everything else. See, when you're going through a situation where, where you're, um, you're experiencing sickness in your body, well, I have to focus on the fact that He is a healer. It's not just what He does, it's who He is. He is Jehovah Rapha. He's the Lord God, my healer. I'm in a battle. He's my victory. He's going to cause me. He is Jehovah Nisi. I begin to worship and I thank you, God. You are my banner of victory. You are Jehovah Nisi right now. And whatever victory it is that I need, I know that you're able to bring me to it. Amen. That gets my mind off the victory and puts my mind on the one who's bigger than the victory. The one who can bring me through it. Amen, somebody. Amen. Hallelujah. He, he's a provider. Whatever your need is, God is a need meter. Amen? Because I'm a tither and a giver, I know that men give to me. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. Shall men give into my bosom? So I've given um, tithes, I've given offerings, I've given my service anywhere that I can. I'm just the kind of person God likes to bless. So Father, I worship you today for being Jehovah Jireh. You are the Lord God, my provider. And instead of worry, I choose to just trust you in Jesus' name. Amen. I just fully decide that I'm going to worship. You cannot worship and worry at the same time. You're either going to be a worshiper or a warrior. But you can't be both. So we focus on who he is and that brings strength to our faith. And worship says thank you. I'm, I'm sure that much of her heart as she was worshiping him at his feet was about thanking him for raising her brother Lazarus. So sometimes 
We have to be careful that we don't take our winds and our winds and run with them like we did all the work. Deuteronomy 8.12, when you have eaten and are full and have built beautiful houses and dwell in them, and when your herds and your flocks multiply, and your silver and your gold are multiplied, in other words, you start to do better in life, and all that you have is multiplied, when your heart is lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out. So we have to be careful when uh, we, we go through a battle and we don't understand it, and we have to be careful when we go through a battle and we win. Amen. And God shows himself strong. We have to be careful that when, when God does all this for us, that our heart doesn't get lifted up. That You have to know that we have a propensity to do that as human beings. Uh, oddly enough, <laughs> that we could think that, that we did something great. And Deuteronomy 8, 17, just a couple of scriptures down, it says, And then you say in your heart, My power and the might of my hand have gained me this well. We have to be careful that we don't do that, that we give God the glory. We have to be careful that we draw near to Him with our heart. What Mary did was from her heart. And that's why it was so beautiful before God and everybody who saw it. We have to be careful. Matthew 15, 8, it says, These people draw near to me with their, with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. So we have to be careful. Even when we come in here, it's easy to think about, okay, is there enough smoke on the stage? Are the light, what are the lights doing? What's the praise team wearing? It's so easy for your mind to be all over the place rather than focusing on Him. That's what we're here to do is to focus on Him and to worship Him. So we have to shut out all distractions and, uh, and uh, make sure that our heart is engaged in the worship. Amen. Amen. Psalm 9 and verse 1 says, I will praise you, O Lord, with my whole heart. My mouth is filled with your praise. Psalm 71, 8. My mouth is filled with your praise. Declaring your splendor all day long. It's a choice that David made. And in Psalm 118, 24. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. It didn't say it had to be a good day. Even on a bad day. This is the day the Lord has made. Look, I will rejoice. and be... Somebody didn't get to see today. Somebody's looking at the inside of a hospital room today. But you're here. Amen. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. So the test of your daily praise is this. Is that when things are going great. But look at this. Habakkuk 3, 17 through 18. Even though the fig trees have no blossoms. And there are no grapes on the vines. Even though the olive crop fails and the fields lie empty and barren. Even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty. Yet... I will rejoice in the Lord. I'll be joyful in the God of my salvation. Amen. I still have a reason to say, to praise. I am saved and on my way to heaven. Amen. Hallelujah. So these are critical daily choices for glorifying God. It's about keeping your focus right. Look at Proverbs 4.25. It says, let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Make level paths for your feet and take only ways that are firm. Like David, you know, David qualified who could be in his presence. Yes. David said, I will not let anybody perverse be around me. A liar, he's not going to serve me. If you look at, at Psalm chapter 101, he really gives you the recipe for a happy home and a happy life. And that's because he qualified the people that he allowed around him. I'm not going to allow people who are going the wrong direction around me. Why am I going to be led off from my God? Amen. This, important, this relationship I have with God is so important. 
So Psalm 101, write that in the margin of your note sheet, that you will go and look at Psalm 101 and see what qualifies a person that gets to be around me. Amen? He says, do not swerve to the right or the left. Keep your foot from evil. So Mary was always there at his feet, making choices in the word, in prayer, in worship, in crisis, in hope, in faith, in fellowship, and in offerings. She was there. This was her, her choice. A choice that she made. And when you think about how awesome it is, the offering that she gave, I think it probably shows the most heartfelt offering in Scripture. Matthew 26, 7, a woman, Mary, the same Mary, came to him having an alabaster box of very costly, say very costly, fragrant oil. And she poured it on his head as he sat at the table. So she came and she poured out an offering. And somebody said, why this waste? Why this waste? Couldn't we sell this oil and, and, and get a year's wages? A year's what it was worth, 300 denarii, a year's wages. This oil was worth a whole year of workings wages. And she poured it all on him. She thought he was worth it. She felt like Jesus was worth it. She knew Jesus. She sat at his feet. She heard his word. She was there with Jesus' feet at his feet when she was in crisis. She was there worshiping him with the oil. And now here she is pouring out a seed on him, pouring out just love on him that's an offering because she felt like he was worth it. First Corinthians 9, 7-8, it says, Let each one give as he is made up in his own mind and purpose in his in his heart. So God wants us to give. It's part of who we are. It's part of what we do as we glorify him in our giving, in our offerings, as we offer to him. It's to him. It's not to man, but it's to him. It says, not reluctantly. He wants you to purpose in your heart, not reluctantly or sorrowfully or under compulsion. For God loves. I love this. God loves. He takes pleasure in. Prizes above other things. So God takes pleasure. It gives God pleasure when we give from our hearts back to him. He prizes above other things and is unwilling to abandon or do without a cheerful, joyous, prompt to do it giver whose heart is in his giving. And God is able to make all grace, every favor and earthly blessing come to you in abundance so that you may always and under all circumstances and whatever the need be self-sufficient, possessing enough to require no aid or support and furnished in abundance for every good work and charitable donation. You know, what, what I love about God is that when he challenges us to give in his word, he always attaches a supernatural blessing to it. So we do it because it's from our hearts, the same way it was for Mary. Is there anyone else in here that's grateful for what God's done for you in your life? Anyone else could say, I was blind, but now I see. I was lost in a dark place. He called me out of darkness and into his marvelous light. He reached into a pit and pulled me out. I don't know how deep work it was, but my pit was deep and my pit was dark. But yet Jesus thought I was worth coming along and messing with. And he pulled me out of that pit and he set me on a broad place. He set me on a firm foundation and it's made something beautiful out of my life. I'm grateful. I don't know about you, but I'm grateful for what he's done. I know Mary was grateful. He raised her brother. You know, after she'd gone through all that sorrow, when somebody would raise her brother from that, I mean, she she knew him. She loved him. She thought he was worth it. 
She gave from her heart. And God wants us to get out of that place of love, not grudgingly, okay, here's the offering again. Let me uh, get past this part. No, it's an opportunity to show your love for Him, your gratefulness for Him. Don't ever let it become something that's just your reluctance or, or you're like, let's get this out of the way. This is an opportunity to shine glory. This is a time to glorify Him, to show Him, I, I love you, God, from, from my heart. And then God does something amazing. He attaches blessings to it. I mean, how awesome is God? He didn't have to do it, but He did. Amen. <laughs> so number one, my offering says I honor you as the God and the head of my life. Mary's offering signif signified her complete all-in new life. You know, she could have been doubting a little bit when she sat at his seat to hear his word. She could have been kind of giving him the side eye. Okay, I'm, I'm listening. It's going in. I hear, I hear you, Jesus, but maybe I'm not just convinced. And then she falls down at his feet in the middle of her crisis, and there's Jesus. And he brings her loved one back to life. I mean, she's got no side eye left anymore. She's fully all in. So I believe her offering says, I'm going to pour it all because I'm all in. I have no reason to hold this spike nerd back for whatever profession I had before. Amen, somebody. Amen. I have no reason to, but I'm going to pour it all on you. I'm honoring you as the God and the head of my life. It signifies her complete all-in new life. Proverbs 3, 9 through 10 talks about what happens when we honor God with our offerings. Honor the Lord. Proverbs 3, 9 through 10. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. So he talks about as we honor him with our possessions and with our first fruit offering, that it rebounds with um, overflow back to our lives. It's a supernatural principle. And if we will tap into it, we will experience the goodness of God. We'll experience the glory of God. But we have to choose. It's a choice. Amen? It's a choice that we've made to, to get in on God's best, on his goodness. First Samuel 2.30. Listen to this. Listen to this. Those who honor me, I will honor. Those who honor me, I will honor. Honor him. So he says in Mark 14, 9, Assuredly I say to you, listen to how he honored this woman. Assuredly I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. She honored God with her offering. And look, every generation since then has heard about this woman who brought this offering and poured it out on him. Now, isn't that something? God says, if you honor me, I will honor you. And when he honors your life, he's glorified. So look how it just goes back and forth. Draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. He said, if you honor me, I'll honor you. And when he honors, when he honors our lives, he's glorified. So it shines back to him. Amen. Isn't that what we want to do this year? Is to glorify God? So we honor Him in that deep and very personal way. Why? Because we served money all week long. I want to hold on to it. <laughs> Amen. But see, our ways are not His ways. And our thoughts are not His thoughts. His thoughts are higher. And He, and he, he knows that it's a spiritual principle that when you sow and when you give, that it releases the hand of God to bless our lives. Look at number two. Um, my, offerings, my offering triggers supernatural breakthrough in my life. It triggers supernatural breakthrough. So we can't talk, we, you can't talk about any scripture where God asks us to give or challenges us to give that he doesn't say he's going to give something amazing right back. Amen. Malachi 3.10, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there may be food in my house. And he could have just stopped right there. 
Isn't it his Bible? Didn't he write it? Couldn't he have stopped right there? Did we just do it because it honors God? But no. He says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. Amen. He promises to pour out supernatural abundant blessing. My desire is this year as I've heard from God that there's plenty, plenty in 2020. Don't just look for plenty, but look for a double portion in 2020. But we have to release the hand of God to move in our lives. So plenty, plenty in 2020, I'm declaring that every member and attender of Acceleration Church becomes a tither in manifestation. That you choose to believe God's word is so true that you will act upon that word and release the, the blessings of God to be poured out from heaven in your life. Amen. And you'll be, he'll be glorified for it. Amen. Every, every member, a tither in manifestation. Amen. Luke 6.38. He says, give. He could have just stopped right there and put a period after give. It would have been the shortest scripture besides Jesus wept, right? He could have just said give, period. Right? But he didn't. What did he say? Give. And it will be given to you. Good measure. Press down. Shaken together and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Hallelujah. Give God some praise. Amen. So you release the hand of God to move in your life. It's not just money, but favor goes before you. The favor, what, I, what is it, Mike Murdoch used to say, one day of favor is worth a lifetime of labor. One day of favor can open up doors for you that all your education can't open. Sometimes you got the education, but you need the right person to open the door. you got somebody with a stank attitude who won't open the door. But you can come with no education. Amen, somebody. And somebody open the door and say, I don't know why I'm doing this for you, but there's just something about you. That's the favor of God on your life. And I'm telling you, it goes up exponentially as you become a tither and a giver into the things of God. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word that's been sown in our lives this morning. Father, we receive it. Our, our, our very desire is to glorify you with our lives and everything that we do. But we pray and declare that we go from glory to glory this year. As we make these choices, these daily choices, these daily disciplines, these daily habits, Lord, that, that cause us to be more successful in our spiritual walk. That is our desire, Father God, that we would reflect your glory from one degree of glory this year to another. That we're stepping up to a level we've never been on and we're leaving a level we'll never go back to again. Thank you, Father God. We receive it in the name of Jesus. Well, if you're here this morning with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, you'd say this morning, Pastor Sally, I'm not right with God. Not right with God, but I want to be right with God. Would you pray for me? Yes, I will. In just a moment, I'm going to lead you and lead you in a very um, special prayer that will um, cause your sins to be forgiven. You'll be back in right relationship with God. I'm just going to lead you in a very simple prayer. You might say, well, Pastor Sally, you know, I've served God and I've, I've been a part of the family of God, but I've just turned my back on it. And I've gone my own way and done my own thing. You, you, want to, you want to come back to God this morning. It's a wonderful time and a wonderful thing to do to come back to God. There's no shame in your game. Sometimes, you know, we walk off, but you know what? We turn around and come back. Righteous man falls seven times, but he gets back up again. Hallelujah. Just call yourself. I'm back up again. Here I am. Hallelujah. So I'm going to lead you in a very simple prayer. That's you. You're coming home. You're the prodigal. You're coming home. You've never come to Christ before, but you want to be a part of the family of God. You say, I feel God talking to me in this place. I feel the Spirit of God in here. I'm going to lead you in a very simple prayer. 
Just repeat after me. Say, Father, I confess to you that I am a sinner. I have messed up. Sometimes on purpose. And sometimes I'm sure I just didn't know. But I'm sorry. I ask you to forgive me for everything I've ever done wrong. I believe you sent Jesus to die on the cross for my sins. And I believe that you raised him from the dead on the third day. Jesus, come into my heart. Be the Lord of my life. Teach me. Guide me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I give you my whole life. My whole heart. Baptize me in the Holy Spirit now. I'm trusting you alone to save me. In Jesus' name. Well, listen, if you just prayed that prayer, let me tell you, your whole life just changed. Every sin, every wrong thing you ever did in your life is completely gone. It's been washed away. And you've become a child of God. Your name's been written in the Lamb's Book of Life.